Welcome to the WatermarkOC.Church podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, we've been excited because we've been in a series in the book of 1 Kings. We've gone back to the Old Testament. We're looking at one of the great heroes of faith in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. He was a prophet to God's people. And he lived an incredibly courageous life. And the reason his life was so courageous, the reason that he made such a difference to his culture, to his people, and to his friends, is because he wasn't alone. And that's the great truth we've been pulling out of Elijah's story that we can remember for our story in Orange County as we're trying to live a life that honors God, a a life that has purpose, a life that is connected to hope, a life that brings love to our marriages and our families, our neighbors, a life that has integrity in the workplace, a life that honors God to become more like Christ in the world today, to make his name beautiful in the world today, we are not alone. This is not something that God asks us to do without him, right? He is in us, uh, he works through us, and he is with us as we go out and do his will. We are not alone. You are not alone in the workplace. You are not alone in your marriage. You are not alone as you try to live a single life. You're not alone as you go to school. You're not alone. God is with you. He's working in you and he's working through you. And that is the great truth of Elijah. Elijah believed that truth. Elijah stood on the promises of God. Elijah believed that God was a promise-giving, promise-keeping God. He believed that God was good. He believed that God had chosen Israel. He believed that God had made a covenant with them. And he placed them in the land to be a light to the nations. To be a kingdom of priests so that when people saw Israel, they would see what the true God was all about. That he was a loving God. That he was a pure God. That he was a just God. That he was a righteous God. And that they would want to understand what life was like from that God. And Elijah loved that God so much when he saw the northern kingdom moving away from God's commands. When he saw God's people forsaking God and chasing after false gods. Gods that can't bring hope. Gods that can't bring life. Gods that will not give you purpose ultimately. Gods that will actually bring you addiction and brokenness and shame and guilt. Elijah stood up. He stood up because his heart was so full of God's love and he stood out and he called the people out on that. And it says that Elijah was just a man. He was just a human being. He's just an ordinary Joe like me, Bucky. Ordinary Joe, you know. Uh, Businessman in Orange County. You know, uh, God calls me out of the business world and says, Bucky, I'm going to put you as a pastor. I'm calling you to stand up. I'm calling you to help families. I'm calling you to preach God's word. Uh, Ordinary Joe calling you to stand up. Not, I wasn't any more special or gifted or didn't have any education that was better or bigger than anybody else. God just said, Bucky, I'm calling you out. And I'm calling you to stand up for me in this place. That was 24 years ago. You know, and just an ordinary guy, but an ordinary guy who believes in God's promises. An ordinary guy who has an extraordinary God who's a good father and stands on those promises can do extraordinary things. That's the life of Elijah. That is your life. That can happen in your marriage. As you stand on the promises of God for your marriage and you cry out for intimacy and healing, God can do extraordinary things in your marriage. As you stand on the promises of God and cry out for your children, God can do extraordinary things in the lives of your children to bring them purpose, meaning, and hope. 
As you stand on the promises of God for your, your co-workers and you go into the marketplace reeling that God has called you to be a light to them and to love them as Jesus would love them, God can do extraordinary things in and through you. As you pray for a nation, right, our nation, I'm praying more for our nation than I've ever prayed before, on the brink of craziness, right? We're talking about nuclear things and crazy things as we stand up and pray for our nation and get on our knees and cry out to the living God. Prayers of God's people can do extraordinary things in our nation. God is calling his church to stand up for his promises so that the name of Jesus will be beautiful again in the world. Elijah was a human being as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and guess what? God turned off the spigot and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Because the nation of Israel was worshiping a false god. He was the god of rain, right? His name was Baal. (laughs) And Baal asked for children in sacrifice. Did you know that? One of the Canaanite practices was in the worship of Baal. They sacrificed their children on the altar to get good things from Baal. Baal wasn't a great, wonderful god. We think, oh, these people just went to a nice church and everything was great. No, he asked for child sacrifice. Last week we saw he he asked his priests to cut themselves, right, and bleed, you know. (laughs) He he asked for dancing and religion. He asked for all this stuff. And he didn't deliver on any of it. He was a false god. Just like the false gods in the world today, money, power, success, that are asking you to do things for them that they can never give you. They can never give you hope. They can never give you love. They can never transform your heart. They can never give you eternity. They're false gods. You know, it's not, it's not that they can't bring good things into your life, but they can't bring God things in your life. And if you bet your life on money, you're going to be sorry and sad at the end of your life. You bet your life on success, you're going to be sorry and sad that you wasted your life on success. You threw people under the bus and you live for success more than the love of people and the love of God. You bet your life on yourself and your pride and what man can do. You're going to be sorry at the end of your life because you wasted your life on things that don't last Versus worshiping and loving the true God and loving the people the way he's told you to. And Elijah was standing up and saying, no, no, no more. And he prayed and God stopped the rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and the heavens opened up and God brought the rain because the people turned back to the true God. See, he, was, he believed in a promise-keeping, promise-giving God. And God used him to make a powerful difference in his community and relationships with the people. Elijah stood on the promises of God. Elijah stood on the promises of God. That's why he was not alone. It says after a long time, three years, right? The drought is going. God's word comes to Elijah and says, go and present yourself to the king, Ahab. Go and have a face-to-face with the man that's trying to kill you. Ahab was trying to kill Elijah. He sent, he, uh, his wife, Jezebel, had led the people into false worship. They were trying to kill all the prophets of God. <laughs> go and meet your enemy. Go talk to this guy that hates you and wants to take you out. Have a face-to-face with him, right? And the word of the Lord came to Elijah after three years of drought... The land was dry, the land was barren, cattle were dying, people were crying out, businesses were failing, things were really bad in Israel. And Elijah stood up and had a face-to-face with Ahab, and out of that face-to-face came a showdown on Mount Carmel. We talked about this last week. If you want to catch up, go on our podcast, you can listen about this showdown with the prophets of Baal. 
But guess what? The true God showed up and Elijah won that. Fire came down from heaven after he prayed. It consumed a sacrifice. He proved that the God of Israel was the true God. And now, after the drought, after God showed up, the prophets of Baal were taken out. And now Elijah stands before this nation that's crying and wanting uh, water and wanting a hope and a future, wanting a business, wanting land and rain. And Elijah says, guess what? The rain is coming. The rain is coming. Because God had told you, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send the rain. That's the promise of God. I will send the rain. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I'm going to show up. And Elijah did that. And after he won the battle, after the prophets of Baal were defeated, here's what Elijah says to Ahab. Guess what? Have a quick meal. You know, get a quick sandwich. Because guess what? The rain is coming, dude. You're going to want to be on your chariot because the rain is coming. And Elijah says, by faith, the rain is coming. Elijah said that because he's standing on the promise of God, right? God said, I'm going to send the rain. Elijah told Ahab, God's going to send the rain. How has God called you to stand on his promises? Right? How has God called you to build your life on his promises for your marriage? Right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? Are you standing on that promise that as you love your wife as Christ loved the church, God is going to bring the mystery of oneness into your marriage? God is going to do amazing things, husbands, as you stand on the promise that if you love your wife as Christ loved the church, I'm going to bring a mystery of oneness that you, you don't understand the intimacy that you're longing for, right? Are you standing on the promise that Ben talked about? If you bring in the full tithe, God's going to bless you? Right? Trust me in this. God says, you, trust, you bring in generosity and you cannot outgive me. Are you standing on that promise? Are you standing on another promise? That if I keep as much as I can get, everything's going to be okay. I'll give God a tip. Everything's going to be okay. Are you standing on the promises of God for your children? Are you praying over your children? Are you teaching them about God? And the Bible says when we teach them about God and we show them to God and we show them the way, in the end they're not going to depart from it. Are you standing on that promise? Even with a wayward child, are you standing on that promise? Are you standing on the promises of God that says if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you so you don't have to walk around with shame and guilt and brokenness? Are you standing on that promise when you fail? Like, I have to stand on that promise. God, thank you for forgiving me. Cleanse me of my guilt so I can live a life of freedom. Are you standing on that promise that if if you know the truth, the truth will set you free in the addiction that you're struggling with? I know a man that stood on that promise and he's sober for many, many years. And now he's he's being called to help others out of sobriety because he stood on that promise. And God fulfilled that promise in his life. And he's free from his addiction to heroin that almost killed his life. He stood on that promise. What is the promise of this word that God has given to you as a good father that he wants you to stand on in the world that you live? Are you standing on the promise for your neighbors that God doesn't want anyone to perish? He wants everyone to come to repentance. Are you praying for your neighbors? Are you praying for your coworkers that don't know Jesus? Are you standing on the promise for them that God wants to save them? And you're a part of that. You see, your prayers are powerful. And God has invited you. He's given you his promises. This isn't just some old archaic book. This is a living word, active. And as we stand on the promises and we pray, the heavens move. Things happen. Hearts open. The spirit convicts. God moves. 
He is a promise-giving, promise-keeping God. And he's given us this book not to put it on a shelf. He's given it to, for us to put it in our minds and our hearts and to stand on the promises because that's the way things work in God's economy. What is the promise that he's given to you to stand upon? That's what Elijah knew. That's what Elijah did. He stood on the promises. And how do we do that in a world where there's drought, right? There's spiritual drought in our land. You know, the statistics in America say that maybe 10% of America will even go to church today. Maybe 12%. 88% of America, you're driving by a lot of people on the way to worship today that don't know God, don't want to know God, think they're, they're worshiping a true God because they're worshiping another God. Don't care. We're in a land of plenty. but We're in a land of spiritual drought. We're in a land where marriages are divorcing left and right. There's drought in marriages. We're in a land filled with addiction. Orange County is this great place. There's addiction all over the place in Orange County. There's homelessness that's popping up everywhere. We're in a drought. A drought of leadership, a drought of vision, a drought of hope for the next generation. Many of them don't have hope for a job or a future. We're in a drought. What do you do in a drought? How do you stand on the promises of God when you're in a drought in a difficult situation? How do you stand on the promise of God when you are blessed and you have a neighbor or a friend who's in a difficult situation? Or a son or a daughter? How do you stand on the promises of God? Elijah sought the God of promise. The first thing that Elijah did was he sought the God of promise. He just has this great victory on Mount Carmel, 450 to 1. He wins 450 prophets of Baal to one Elijah. He calls down fire. Would you be feeling good? Yes, Elijah, you just kicked butt on Mount Carmel. Where are you going? Disneyland? No. He didn't go to Disneyland, right? He didn't run back to the marketplace and go, man, man, I'm running for president. After that deal, man, I'm running for president. Look at the position that I could get. He didn't go, man, I think I'm going to go write a book because there's a great deal, a great book deal on this thing, man. How do you call down fire, man? I'll, I'll make a lot of money on that. He didn't go for a book deal. He didn't go pick up the journal to see what the market was doing because that's going to give me wisdom. He didn't go to the educational centers of the world. He didn't go to the philosophy of the world. He went to the God of promise because that's where the answers come from. The answers for our nation are only going to come from the promises of God. The answer for your marriage are only going to come from the promises of God. The answer for your finances, your debt, and your struggle are only going to come from the promises of God. The answer for your parenting is only going to come from the promises of God because he's the God of promise. He created you. He wrote the book on life. He's eternal. He knows, he knows everything about you. He knows your prayers before you even give them. He formed your inward parts. He desires an intimate relationship with you. He desires to give you purpose. And he's written this book as a love letter to say, here's life and life to the fullness. Seek him. He's the God of promise. He said, if you will seek me with all your heart in Jeremiah, you're going to find me. He's not hiding from you. This isn't hide and seek. God's not hiding from you. God is not going to make it tough to be found. He's right here, right? Right now. He has given you his word. He's given his son. He's took on skin. And he says, here I am. Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden by carrying the burden in Orange County and trying to fulfill your own promises in your own way. That's religion. I'm going to fulfill my promises in my way. I'm going to make life happen on my own. 
And Jesus said, if you are weary and burdened by religious effort, by trying to make it happen with your own money, power, and success, and you are being crushed and overburdened and weary, and you're addicted, and you've got to take drugs to sleep at night, and your, your marriage is a mess, and your family's falling apart, come to me and I'll show you life. It comes from the promises of God. Elijah sought the God of promise. He's the only one that can send the rain. He's the only one that can give living water. Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, you know, hang out, but I hear the sound of heavy rain. Was there rain? There was no rain yet. He said, I hear the sound of heavy rain. What was that? That was the sound of God's promise in his mind. I will send the rain. God was speaking to him and reminding him of the promise. I hear the sound of rain because God's speaking to me right now. The rain is coming. And Elijah climbed the top of the mountain by himself to meet with his God. He bent down in humility and he began to pray. He put his face between his knees. How do we seek the God of promise? We focus on hearing his voice. We focus on hearing his voice. God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you every day. He wants to have a loving relationship. Like like me as a father, I love to speak to my children. I try to talk to my children all the time. I try to hear their heart. I try to give them the wisdom that I have. I love them. I love hanging out with them. Your heavenly father wants to hear from you. He wants to know your heart. He wants to speak his wisdom. It's right here. And and if you would take his word and, and take it into your life every day and renew your mind with it, read it. Uh, uh, meditate on it, listen to it, spend time in it, asking him, God, God, what are you speaking to me? He's going to show up and speak to you. He's going to show up and direct your life. He's going to give you a promise that's for you. He's going to guide you. Just like when Elijah went to seek the God of promise, God spoke to him, the rain's coming. God will speak to you about the issues of your life, and he'll tell you and show you where abundant life comes from in relationship to him and his promises. Elijah sought the God of promise because the reason that we are here, the reason that you exist, is to have a relationship with God. And relationships about communication, right? Relationships about listening, relationships about intimacy. You're here to hear his voice and respond to him. That's what your life is really about. That's why he created you. That's why he sent his son to die for you so that you could have an intimate relationship, hear his voice just like Elijah did, and respond to his calling in your life. For the issues of your life. Elijah focused on hearing God's voice. That was the sole purpose of his being. He went after God's heart because he knew that was the way to life. That was the way to blessing. That was the way that life really happened. And so he set a place out that was separate from the world, right? It's really hard to hear God's voice when you're running at 80, 80 miles an hour. When, when, you're, when, you're, when your schedule is full of lists and to-dos and meetings and getting things done and social media and all the stuff, you get hit, all the noise and the clutter of the world, it is very hard to hear God's voice when you're, you're going as fast as people go in Orange County. And so Elijah set apart a quiet place, a still place. You know when Jesus' disciples got up in the morning, where's Jesus, where's Jesus? Maybe he's in the village. Uh, maybe, he's, maybe he went to get breakfast. We, we, we slept in. Maybe he's going to listen to counsel from somebody else. Maybe he's out there looking for a job. Maybe he's out there teaching. Where was he? He was at a quiet place. They always found him in a quiet place of prayer. They always found him in a quiet place of stillness. They always found him in a place where he could hear the Father's voice. A quiet place. A still place. Do you have a place? 
Do you have a rhythm in your life where you can cut off some time and get to a quiet place and hear the Father's voice? You know? The most amazing thing in the life of Jesus, whenever we hear that voice, whenever the scriptures open up the curtain and we get to see heaven and it says what the Father says, you know what the Father says? Always. That's my beloved son. That's my boy. That's the one that I love. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. It's always belovedness. And you know what the Father wants you to hear is belovedness. Being Grace, mercy, I'm with you. You're not alone. Here's my promises. You don't have to buy the lies of a culture that says you have to do, do, do to prove your worth. You have to do, do, do to get happiness. You have to do, do, do and have all this stuff and then you'll be the man. You'll prove your identity and it never works. Your identity has already been proven by your heavenly father. The price has already been paid. He gave his precious blood on the cross of his son. You are the beloved one. And he so longs for you to be free in that. To be free from the drought of self-sufficiency and pride and having to prove your worth on your own, which is what most of Orange County is running around trying to do. Prove our worth on our own. Self-sufficiency. And your father says, just sit at my feet and let me love you. Just as you are. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved child. You don't hear that when you're running at 80 miles an hour. You hear that in stillness and quietness when you rest in his love. He wants you to create a quiet space so you can hear his voice. And the posture is humility. Look at Elijah. He gets down like a child. He bends his knees, right? He goes into the the fetal position, which with my back therapy, I've been in that fetal position a lot lately. That is the position of humility. <laughs> when you're, on, you're in that fetal position, man, you don't have a lot of strength, you don't have a lot, you're out of control, and they're working on you, and you're hoping they're going to take care of you. But the reason that Elijah postures himself that way, because that's the attitude of his heart. I, I'm, I'm not God. I'm submitted to you, Father. You're, you're a good Father, and I'm going to trust that you're going to give good things, and he, you know, I'm going to open my hands. Father, here, here's my money. What do you want me to do with my money? Father, here's my talent. What, what can I do with my talent to honor you and bless others? Father, here's my treasures. Here's my life, Father. I offer it to you because you gave everything for me. And I'm just responding to your love. I'm not earning your love. I'm responding to your love. It's all about grace and love. And that's Elijah. He's just submitting himself because he knows the Father's will is best. And he's trusting as he, as he rests in God and the promise that God's going to send the rain. God's going to do what he says he's going to do. Are you trusting God that he's going to send the rain? Are you trusting him with your life? Are you trusting him with your stuff? Are you trusting him with your time and your talents? Are you giving yourself to him so he has the freedom to work and bring the, bring the rain into your life, the rain through your life? You know? God, God, it says in the scripture that God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And so humility is always the posture that we come to this Father with, that we lay down so that the grace flows in and through. See, Elijah sought the God of promise. He's also sustained by hope. See, the God of promise wants you to sustain you by his hope when you're going through the drought, when things are hard, when circumstances look difficult, when there's challenges in the land. 
The rain hasn't come yet. And Elijah's praying to this God of promise. And he goes back and back again and perseveres because he's sustained by the hope of God. Go look, and look to the sea, he tells his servant. He's praying that the rain's going to come. He's told Elijah the rain's going to come. The nation's bending on the rain. He's saying the rain's going to come and he's sitting there and there's no rain. <laughs> I've told him. And he's sitting there but he's trusting in the promise of God. Not in his power and strength. Go see if there's any rain as he prays. And the servant goes and says, there's nothing there. And he goes seven times. Well, go try again. He prays some more. Go try again and pray some more. Seven times his servant goes and looks towards the sea. I've been there on Mount Carmel in Israel. You know, you, it's a beautiful mountain. You're up there and you, you're looking toward the valley of Jezreel. On the other side, you're looking out towards the ocean, you know. It's on the coastline, you know. And Elijah's servant could have just gone out and looked out there. And there's no rain. There's no rain. I don't see anything. And so Elijah is preserving in prayer, right? He doesn't just pray once. He prays again and again. He's preserving in prayer, and that is bringing them into this place of hope, right? Hope. Hope is the engine that keeps us going in difficult seasons of life. He preserved because of the promise of God of a better future. God's going to send the rain. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep trusting. Are you in a place where you're continuing to ask and trust? That's called perseverance. That's called grit. I just went to a conference on leadership, and they've done psychological studies on grit. They actually have a terminology for grit. Grit is passion and perseverance. And people, people that make, make it through organizations, people that go farther than others, marriages that last, athletes that go to the next level, they all have one thing. It's not their talent. It's not their education. It's their grit. Their grit. It's been it's tested scientifically. People with grit crash through. And God says, I'm going to give you grit. And how is grit formed in the heart of a believer? When we consider it joy, when we're facing struggles and we trust in God, God forms grit in our soul. And that grit is, I know the promise of God is real because I believe it and he's fulfilled it in my life. You know why I have grit? Because in my history, I've had to go to the wall and trust God and keep praying, and he's crashed through. And now I can tell you, guess what? Uh, I've been there. I've been through the death of a loved one, and I have the grit to tell you there's hope on the other side. I'm just not preaching it to you. I've been at the bedside. I've said good, goodbye to my own son. I put him in the hands of God, and I know it's true because it's in here now. It's not theoretical. It's grit. And some of you guys that have integrity, there's men in this church that can tell you, I have given 20% of my income to the church. I've given 25% and God has blessed me. I keep getting more. And it's not theory, it's grit. Because I've done it and he keeps doing it. And now it's inside of me, it's grit. And somebody can tell you, you know what, my marriage has lasted 40 years and we fought and we've been to the wall, we've had struggles, but guess what, our marriage is better, better than there because we prayed, we trusted the promise of God and now it's inside of me because it's grit. And we're crashing through and we're going to go the distance. That's how God forms your character. He puts grit in your soul when you believe and trust in the promises of God, when you persevere. Elijah is persevering and grit is coming out of his life as it's being formed in his heart. That's how God develops your character. That's how he gives you strength. That's how he gives you courage to stand and tell your friends that Jesus is real, even when they re reject you. 
Where does that come from? It comes from the courage and the grit that God puts in your soul. It's grit. It helps us see the promise in spite of our circumstances. And Elijah says, go back and back. And finally the guy goes, there's a little cloud out there. And Elijah goes, yes, yes, there's a little cloud out there. It's about the, put, put your fist up. It's about the size of your hand. Yes, the rain's coming. I see that little cloud. Because Elijah is so full of hope, so full of grit, he sees God working. You know, it's that hopefulness that when we're in prayer and we're trusting in God and we get a text from a friend that says it's a word of God right for us, we go, yes, God's working. God's working. When we see a homeless person, you know, make a decision to say, hey, I'm going to go try to interview and get off the street. There's a little cloud there. And you go, yes, I believe in that decision that God's put in your life. God's going to bring the rain. Right? It's that little thing that God gives you to put your hand in because God is working and you move forward on that. That's hope. And the Bible says that we've been born into a living hope. You can always have hope because you know that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the hope that you stand in. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you can always have hope. The best is yet to come. God can take bad things and do good things. God can transform those difficult situations and bring life. And that's grit. And God's going to send you a sign. He's going to send you a signal if you're looking for that. That's why he says watch and pray. Watch and pray. Right? Oh, my husband, he took out the trash finally. Oh, my gosh, our marriage is going the right way. Oh my gosh, my teenager, they made the bed. Oh my gosh, there's a cloud. God's doing stuff as I'm praying for my teenager. He made the bed today, right? That's the hope that God's doing something. And that gives us hope to persevere. And Elijah's persevering. He sees the cloud. He has hope. And it helps us see the promise in spite of our circumstance. It gives us courage to tell others about hope. Right? When we see the hope in a dark place, when we see the little cloud, we see the little bit of light, we can tell others. And what does Elijah do? He says, get in your chariot, dude. I saw the cloud. The rain's coming. Start going. The rain's coming. I saw the cloud. Right? God did something. And God gives you these promises and gives you these clouds so that you have hope and you can stand with others in hope. Right? You can encourage them. And Elijah does that. He was sustained by hope. And finally, he was strengthened by power. Because when we stand on the promises of God, when we believe in the hope of God, guess what? We start to be filled with the power of God. Right? Elijah is full of power because God's presence is inside of him. He's full of God's spirit. It's not about the circumstances yet. It's not about the feelings. He probably had fear in the middle of this. He probably was wondering what was going to happen. He just sees a little cloud, but guess what? He gets up and he starts running. Because the cloud starts stirring, and he has so much power and so much energy because he knows God is working. He runs 17 miles. He runs a marathon. This old guy picks up his skirt and starts running along. He's going crazy. He's got grit. He's got hope. And guess what? Old Ahab, who's got all the money and all the temples and all the horses and all the stuff, he's stuck in the mud. Old Ahab is stuck in old ways of thinking, his addiction to false gods. He's stuck in the mud, and Elijah's running right by him because he's filled with the promises of God and the presence of God. Do you want to soar in Orange County? Do you want to go beyond the stuff that gets you stuck in the mud, your anger, your pride, your lust, your greed, the stuff that sticks you in the mud, sticks your marriage in the mud, sticks your life in the mud? Then start standing on the promises of God. Start believing in the hope that he could change your life. He could do something new in your marriage. 
Start believing in that hope. Start standing in the promises and start running towards them. Start obeying and moving towards them. And God will show up. This morning as we end our service in worship, I want to ask you, what's the promise that God wants to give you here today? We're going to have a time of worship. And the first song, I just want you to say, God, what is the promise that you want me to stand on? I put some promises up on the screen that are going to rotate. And just let these promises of God speak to you. Maybe one of those is one of the ones that God wants you to grab onto for your marriage, for your family, for your workplace, for the struggle in your life today. Let those promises speak to you. Let the word of God speak to you. Let God speak a promise into your life and say, this is the promise that I'm going to grab a hold of today. I'm going to stand in hope. I'm going to stand in faith because God is with me. I'm not alone. God is speaking to me through his spirit today. He wants me to know that I'm not alone. And here's the promise he's called me to stand on for my life today. So let's let this worship go. Listen to these promises. God, what's the promise you want me to stand on today as we worship him? And then we'll come back and take communion. To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church. 